Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. There are many struggles that we get to experience in life. Life has many opportunities for us to struggle, and some of the issues that we normally deal with have to do with the relationships that we have with other people. Sometimes we have relationships with people that we don't really enjoy as much as perhaps we would like to, or they don't enjoy us as much as we would like them to. There are many opportunities to struggle when it comes to relationships or with regards to our work. What kind of work are we going to be able to do? What kinds of work would we like to be able to do, and yet we are not able to do that either because there isn't enough available because of the competition that exists or other factors may be involved. And so there are many opportunities for us to struggle in life when it comes to relationships or employment or transportation. There are many issues that people struggle with, and one of the ways that we get past the struggles that we get to experience, that we encounter in our daily lives is finding ways of overcoming those struggles. For example, if we're having trouble finding work, we find new ways of finding work. If we're having trouble in our relationships, then we learn new techniques or we ask for forgiveness. There are many ways that we can resolve conflicts. There are many ways that we can resolve issues when it comes to relationships with other people. And when it comes to employment, we can always learn how to do something else or we can always find work in different places assuming that we have the ability to get to those locations where the work is available. When it comes to these issues, we find ways of overcoming these issues and so that we can get through life even in the midst of the struggles that we are faced with. When it comes to the subject of self-sufficiency, for example, when it comes to self-sufficiency, one of the ways of defining self-sufficiency is to consider a person's ability to overcome adversity. And their ability can be defined in many different ways. They may have unique skills. They may have a lot of money. There are different ways that people can overcome the struggles in their life. And self-sufficiency is a very important topic, a very important subject, because you cannot always rely on the help of someone else. Sometimes you need to rely on yourself. You're not going to be able to find help with the kinds of problems that you are having. And so you either suffer under the weight of those problems or you find a way to fix them yourself. And to do that can often require a degree of skill, talent, resources to be able to overcome these struggles. And this is a way of defining self-sufficiency. And many people live their lives with a high degree of self-sufficiency. Many times I personally have experienced some significant struggles and in many cases, I have been able to overcome those struggles. In other cases, I didn't overcome those struggles, and those struggles overcame me. And instead of overcoming them in the way that I wanted to, I just had to wait until those issues took care of themselves because they were simply outside of my control. When it comes to issues like that, sometimes what people will do is call upon divine intervention. And to do so, I personally think is perfectly reasonable 
If you are not able to solve the problems in your life, if you're not able to overcome the sufferings that you are experiencing, the struggles that you're dealing with, then perhaps you can call upon the living God. You can call upon him requesting his divine intervention. And I can certainly understand this. I can appreciate this because many times I have found myself in situations where I could do nothing more to resolve the struggles that I was having. And so I would pray and ask the Lord, Lord, will you please intervene? And when I do that, I can't help but think about why I would not have asked for his divine intervention before that point. Why did I consider relying on myself and not call upon him beforehand? It's a struggle that people have quite often, that sometimes we have too much pride to ask the Lord to intervene in our lives. I know I struggle with this, that if I have the ability to resolve problems and resolve struggles, then why would I dare call upon the Lord to resolve these matters when I can take care of them myself? Sometimes it's a manifestation of pride. But when people run into situations where there is nothing that they can do about it, when there is nothing that they can do to solve the problems at hand, then they will often call upon the Lord. They will pray with great fervency and ask him for his divine intervention in their lives. And it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, a perfectly reasonable thing to consider, because in many cases you have no alternative. And sometimes there are wonderful opportunities in life when we can be faced with this so that we will turn to him. And some people turn to him for the first time in their lives because of the circumstances that they find themselves in, that their circumstances are so bad that they are struggling so much that they will turn to him sometimes for the first time asking for his help. Now, I personally cannot help but think how God might feel about that, that the only time that you turn to him is when you find that there is no other alternative in your life, either because of your lack of self-sufficiency or because no one else is going to help you. Now you're calling upon him. I mean, why didn't you call upon him earlier? Why didn't you seek his face beforehand? Why did it take something like this? Sometimes I can't help but think about that. I mean, don't you really want to know who he is? Why do you have to wait until you need him to intervene in your life for you to turn to him? Is that what you think of him? You think of him as the person that you call on when you have no alternative. But unfortunately, what this sounds like is that you're not going to want to have anything to do with him after he solves your problem. Maybe he does intervene in a divine way. And then then what? What is he going to do then? Is he going to have any place in your life at all? Is he going to have any opportunity to reveal himself to you in a greater way? Or are you going to turn back to your own self-sufficiency or dependency on others and no longer pursue a relationship with him? Sometimes I consider these issues and I wonder how he might feel about that. And I understand that there are many people who will turn to him in that context. But I believe that he has revealed something to me in this context. And that is what gives me a reasonable degree of peace of mind concerning it. And that is that if that's what it takes for a person to turn to him, to seek him, to know him, if that's what it takes, then by all means, let's use it. Let's use the sufferings and the struggles of life. Perhaps he needs to create a few more for people to find themselves in a situation where they have no alternative but him. 
I certainly would not want to encourage him to do that. I think he can make use of the struggles that already exist in the world. I don't think he needs to add to them. I think we have enough available for us to deal with. But my point is, is that if that's what it takes to turn a person towards the Lord, then I think we should be thankful for it. And there are many times when he responds to people's requests. He does. I know he does. I know that on occasion he will intervene in a divine way in people's lives. I have seen many examples of this. I have witnessed a significant amount of testimony that shows with clear evidence that he does intervene in people's lives in this way. When people turn to him because they have no alternative, yes, certainly he has responded to that. I know of many occasions when he has. One of the popular situations that people find themselves in in this type of a circumstance has to do with medical conditions, just as an example. There are many opportunities for people to experience suffering and struggles with medical conditions. People get injured or they experience some form of disease. There are many opportunities for people to have struggles, to suffer in their lives when it comes to medical conditions. And one of the ways of resolving these medical issues is to go see a doctor. There are doctors, there are people who have studied, who have devoted their lives to trying to find ways of helping people. And I would certainly encourage you to go see doctors when you have medical conditions. I personally do not believe that there is anything evil about asking for someone to help you. Let me give you an example. If you experience a significant laceration of some kind, you get a deep cut in your arm or in your leg or something, and a Band-Aid just isn't going to do it. You need stitches. I'm probably not going to encourage you to pray to the Lord and ask him to send an angel down here on earth with his sewing kit to stitch you up. Instead, I'm going to probably encourage you to go see a doctor or a nurse or some other medical professional who has experience concerning this. If you can't find one, I would probably encourage you to do it yourself before asking for an angel to come down and do that, because it is something that we can do. It's a reasonable solution to just simply use some greater technology beyond a piece of tape that we have the ability to solve certain medical conditions, certain medical problems, and we should take advantage of the technologies that we have available to resolve issues like this. There are many people, however, who believe that we need to have faith, that we need to have faith in God that he will intervene in a divine way to such an extent that there is no need for us to ever go and see a doctor to get help from anyone, medically speaking. And I personally don't share that opinion. I don't share that belief. I do believe that we have a significant number of people, many people in the world, who have devoted their lives and have found some very good ways of resolving the medical conditions that we struggle with in life. And I realize that sometimes it's difficult to find solutions for certain medical conditions. There are some conditions that people are still doing research on, trying to find ways of resolving these matters. Sometimes, in some cases, there are some conditions that we have solved, that we have found solutions for, but unfortunately, because of political and economic issues, because of some of these other issues, these solutions have not been 
made known. They have not been made available to the public. And so if you find yourself in a situation that is a little bit more complicated than just needing some stitches, then by all means, I would certainly encourage you to do some extensive research on your own in addition to asking for medical help because there are many solutions that have been discovered throughout the last 50 to 100 years, even longer, there are many solutions that have been discovered to problems that people are still trying to solve, assuming that there is no solution for. But again, because of political or economic reasons, these things are often suppressed or even criminalized in many cases. And so you have to be careful concerning some of these things. But my point in bringing this up is not to talk about those issues. The real issue here is that we often have struggles in our life. We often ask for divine intervention in prayer, asking the Lord to intervene, to solve the issues that we simply are not able to solve on our own. And I understand that this is a very serious issue in our lives, and we do need to be aware of this. But what happens if we have a medical condition of some kind and we ask the Lord to intervene in a divine way? What happens if we ask him to intervene and he does? You know, there can be great risk involved in him intervening in a divine way. There can. There can be great risk. Consider the example of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was about to die and he asked the Lord to intervene and allow him to live a little bit longer. What happened then? Well, he had another son, Manasseh, and this son was one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever experienced. And so there can be some serious consequences, even though he might intervene in a divine way and respond to the requests that we make of him. So we should be aware of that. And by saying that, I'm not suggesting that this is always going to happen. I'm only saying this because I believe that our God has given us an example to show that sometimes there can be consequences to his intervention. And these consequences might be worse than what we would have had beforehand. And we have to trust him concerning these issues. We have to trust that he will make good decisions, even if he makes a decision like he did with Hezekiah. We can learn things from that. We can learn things about our God from that. We can understand that certainly in the midst of circumstances, where the results might be worse than if nothing happened at all, that the Lord may still respond just in order to show us something that he really wants to show us, and we can trust him concerning that. I really do believe that. And so I don't want to be consumed with or to be concerned about whether or not he is going to respond, but I want you to look at this from his perspective and understand that there can be risk. There can be great risk. There can be consequences as a result of that. Let me give you an example. What happens if somebody comes up with this belief, this belief that if you experience a terminal illness, if you experience an illness, if you're sick in such a way that you are going to die as a result of that illness, you are going to die and it's going to happen very soon. And you have this belief that if you ask him to heal you, if you ask him 600 times within a seven day period, then he is going to have to respond and heal you as you have requested. So let's make this assumption, and of course you can expand this into many other different theologies and beliefs that people have. I do personally believe that there are a lot of beliefs, a lot of theologies that are just simply wrong, and I'm using this one as an example in order to illustrate the entire scope of what I believe 
is false doctrine, is false teaching. But let's just consider this just as a simple, exaggerated example, and that is that if a person prays 600 times requesting a healing from the Lord within seven days, then he will do so. Now, this puts God in a very awkward situation. I personally believe that this puts him in a very awkward situation. Because what happens if he responds and he heals the individual? What happens if he does that? If he heals the individual at the 600th request, now this individual is going to be able to go out on the speaking circuit, go around the world, write books, be on television and radio, be all over the place, have speaking engagements lined up for years to speak at churches all over the planet to explain to everyone that the reason why they are not being healed is because they have not counted correctly. They have not prayed 600 times within a seven-day period of time, that their count was off, perhaps, or something like that. Because if they would have done it just like that person did, then God would have intervened in a divine way because that was the premise that that individual started with. In other words, if God heals an individual in response to a false belief, then he may indirectly give his endorsement of that false belief, or at least people can perceive it in that way, to say that, you see, God has shown that this is the truth, because he did it. So there is great risk in the Lord responding to a belief like this. If he does so, then it may validate false doctrine. It may validate things that are not true. Now, having said that, there is an opportunity for the devil to respond to this. I do believe, I have seen personally, I have witnessed the devil causing problems in people's lives. I have seen how the devil and the angels who follow him, not all of them, but some of them have the ability, have the power, have the capability of causing physical pain and suffering in people's lives. Now, what happens if they do that in some way, and then, because the person prays to the living God on the basis of something that is not true, on the basis of a false belief, such as praying 600 times within a seven-day period of time, and God is going to heal them, maybe the demon will wait until the 600th prayer and then withdraw their affliction. Because they're the ones who caused the affliction. Maybe they can stop. I believe that they can. That they can choose to stop. And I have found a number of examples where I believe that the devil will do this in order to support and justify false teaching, false doctrine within the Christian world. You may not believe this, and that's fine. You don't have to. I'm only saying that I sincerely believe this because I personally have seen enough evidence to show me that the devil and his angels would be perfectly willing to do this in order to support false teaching because we are at war. There is a war going on, and this is a way for him to gain an advantage in the war that we are engaged in. And this is how. The way that he can gain an advantage is by using this affliction and then withdrawal to give the appearance of healing technique. He can use this in order to support false doctrine. So again, this individual goes out and they tell other people that this is the way, this is the procedure 
that you follow so that you can experience healing in your life. So the individual tries it, right? They try it out, and sure enough, it doesn't work. Just because they believe that God is going to heal them, that doesn't mean that he does. That doesn't mean that he will. And what happens when he doesn't? When he doesn't, then people will turn away from the living God. They will say, well, he is not real. He is not with me. He never will be. He doesn't care. He will not intervene in a divine way. He is evil because he could and he chose not to. No, you don't understand that there is a war going on and the original premise, the original doctrine that was established, that this is the procedure that you follow in order to get healed, that initial suggestion that they had come up with, that initial idea, that philosophy, that doctrine or belief, was false and it was supported by divine intervention, but not divine as in the living God, divine in the sense of spiritual, that there was some demon that decided to respond to give the impression, to give the false impression that it was God who did it, but then he's going to fail everyone else because he never had anything to do with it to begin with. This is a war that you are in, and this is one of the battles that has been waging for a long time. If the Lord responds and heals a person in a divine way, he can support false doctrine. The demons can cause afflictions and they can withdraw their affliction that they are causing. And because of that, they can give the impression of healing. You need to be aware of these things. You need to be sober concerning these things and not have your mind numbed to the reality that you are in a conflict, that you are in a battle. Now, what happens if the Lord does not intervene in a divine way? Well, that's the point, and that is that he may find himself in a situation where he wants to, but there is great risk in doing so because he might support false doctrine. And if he does, then what's going to happen? So there are serious dynamics. There are serious issues involved when it comes to this subject. And I am not going to tell you how these issues get resolved. I'm simply going to tell you instead that I believe that we can trust the Lord concerning these issues and that he will make good decisions concerning these matters. And so I don't think we have to be overly preoccupied with these issues. But having said that, I want you to know that there are issues and you need to be aware of these issues so that regardless of whether he intervenes or he does not intervene, you can still trust him for who he is because he knows the risks. He knows the consequences. And I personally believe that we should be thankful concerning these issues. We need to be thankful whether he intervenes or he doesn't because he is trustworthy with his own power, with his own ability to intervene or not. Or he can make it simple. He could wait until the 598th request and then he can heal you. He can do it that way. There are many ways that he can deal with this. But let me shift gears a little bit and talk about the situations when he does intervene in people's lives. Because I personally have witnessed many occasions when he has. I personally have encountered many people who, in my opinion, have been healed by the living God. I do believe that people have experienced that, that he intervenes in people's lives today. I don't have a problem believing that at all. But one thing I do want to mention concerning this issue is that this does not always result in a transformed life. 
In other words, of the people who I personally have known, who have experienced divine healing, unfortunately for many of them, not all of them, but for many of them, this divine healing has been understood as a form of validation that they are a child of God, and so there is no need for them to continue to truly pursue a knowledge and relationship with him. That is unfortunate, but I have found this to be the case in many people's lives, that even though he has intervened, unfortunately they've kind of taken this position or this attitude of, you see, God is with me, and so there is no need for me to do anything different in my life. There is no need for me to pursue him really. There is no need for me to put sin aside in my life. There's no need for any of that because... God has shown me that he is with me, and so there is nothing more that I need to do except enjoy this world and indulge my flesh because he has given me divine evidence to show that he loves me, he cares for me, and that I am one of his. This is an unfortunate attitude that I have witnessed, and so I do get very concerned when people are healed by the Lord because I wonder where that's going to lead them. Sometimes I wonder whether that is going to be a reason for them to no longer really pursue a relationship with him anymore. This is an issue. It is a concern. And I wanted to mention that, not just to say that I believe that God heals people today just as much as he did thousands of years ago. It's just that divine healing does not necessarily equate with maturity in terms of a person and their relationship with their God. And so healing is definitely something that our God does today. I have no question about that. But I have witnessed that many people have been stunted in their growth and have not matured in their faith because of the healing that they experienced, that they use that in their own mind as a way of being complacent. But the healing in our flesh, while it may be very nice and I can be very thankful For the healings that he does for people, I can certainly be thankful for that. But there is a greater healing that I am more concerned with, that I am more interested in, and that is the healing of a person's heart. The healing of a person's heart to the extent where they know their God, they mature in their relationship with him, grow to know him in a greater way. That is the healing that I personally believe is of greater importance than any other. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net